Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service. You're going to be blessed in a few moments to hear from one of God's servants. And I want to just encourage you to listen. And when he shares with you his life story, really pay attention, especially those of you who are students. Because if you have ever wondered, is God real? Is God powerful? Does God still do miracles? I think after hearing, hearing his story, you'll be convinced of that. Not only that, but I hope it will, it will just compel you to take your faith and our God so much more seriously. So hang on, you're in for a blessing. I want to introduce to you Dr. Bekele Shanko. Bekele's mission statement is to serve the purpose of God in my generation by empowering the body of Christ for world evangelization that results in holistic transformation of humanity. Bekele was born and raised in Ethiopia, currently lives in Orlando, Florida with his wife and four children. In 1993, Bekele accepted God's call for full-time Christian ministry service with Campus Crusade for Christ in Ethiopia. Since then, he's attained several degrees and has held diverse leadership roles for Campus Crusade for Christ, National Director for Ethiopia for five years, Regional Director for Southern and Eastern Africa, about 23 countries for 11 years, and currently Global Vice President for Campus Crusade for Christ. He's responsible for the global church movements and focuses on building movements and multiplying churches and faith communities worldwide. In 2011, Bekele helped launch what's known as the Global Alliance for Church Multiplication, an alliance of churches and mission organizations working together to help establish an additional five million churches and new faith communities. Wooddale Church is part of that alliance, and uh, I got so excited last hour, I told everybody that in the Alliance, through our efforts, we're planting about uh, one church every nine minutes. And uh, Pastor Richard, our missions pastor, reminded me it's once every nine hours. Um, <laughs> it should be every nine minutes. So after you hear Bekele, I think you'll agree with me. Would you please welcome him? <clears throat> Yeah, thanks so much, uh, Pastor Dell. I, I, I approve that vision. A church every nine minutes. It can be done because God is able. Good morning, church. Yeah, it's great for me to be here this morning in the presence of our almighty God to worship him together. And you may not know that Wooddale Church uh, has sent us as one of your global missionaries. So my wife and I receive support from Wooddale. So we are one of your global missionaries. And thank you so much for partnering with us. Yeah, this morning, I would like to share uh, briefly with you a verse that God put in my heart about two months ago when I was taking uh, a walk in the evening and praying about uh, today and, uh, and listening to the Bible audio uh, from the book of Isaiah. And through that, I will also be sharing with you the highlights of my life and my journey in the next uh, few minutes. And the topic of my message is God's heart for the nations. God's heart for the nations. 
The verse comes from Isaiah chapter 51, which uh, we will look at it in, uh, in a few minutes. But just to give you the context of the book of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah has 66 chapters. And it is divided into two major sections. The first 39 chapters speak about how God was disappointed by his children because of their disobedience. And he was going to send them to Babylonian captivity. So those 39 chapters are about doom and destruction and punishment. And then the the next 27 chapters are about hope that God was going to revisit his people and bring them back from Babylonian captivity and establish them once more in their own land. So it's about hope, it's about redemption, it's about life. And the book of Isaiah is, is divided in a similar way like we have the entire Bible. The Bible has 66 books and divided into two, Old Testament and New Testament. And Old Testament has 39 books like the 39 chapters of Isaiah, and then the New Testament has 27 chapters of good news through Jesus Christ. So there is that parallel between the whole Bible and the book of Isaiah. And then the chapter that I'm focusing on this morning, 51, Isaiah 51, is about God's everlasting righteousness and God's everlasting salvation. Although the prophecy was about the children of Israel, it's beyond the children of Israel. It includes you and me, all of us, all the nations. And God's plan, God's mission, God's purpose is always for all the nations, for every tribe, for every tongue, for every language, for every nation. When you read that chapter, You see God inviting his people to listen to him. And God says, listen to me in verse 1 of chapter 51. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness. And I'm going to speak about righteousness. And God invites the people to listen to him, says, look to Abraham. When I called Abraham in Genesis 12, I called Abraham to be a blessing to all the nations, that I will bless all the nations through you, that the Messiah, that Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham, the son of David will come, and he will be a blessing to all the nations. And God is saying, look to Abraham. When you look to Abraham, you remember my promise to bless all the nations, my mission, my plan for all the nations. Listen to me, my people. It's about God's global agenda, that his love for all the nations, his love for me and you. And God summarizes his entire plan in John 3.16. And I'm sure each one of you memorized that verse. If you can't, I challenge you today to memorize that verse. It's very easy, only 23 words. 
I tweeted that verse so many times. You can easily tweet the whole verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, everlasting righteousness, everlasting salvation, everlasting life. And in that verse in John 3.16, there are three sections that I want to highlight. One is about God's love. God loves generously, unconditionally. The second part is the whole world. That is every nation, every language, every tribe. And then the third part is everyone. Whosoever believes in Jesus Christ will have life, will have eternal life. And the verse that I would like to focus this morning is verse 5 in Isaiah 51. God says, my righteousness draws near speedily. My salvation is on the way, and my arm will bring justice to the nations. The islands will look to me and wait in hope for my arm. There are a number of words I want to highlight from that text. My righteousness, God is speaking. My salvation, God is speaking. My arm, God is speaking. And there is speed. My righteousness draws near speedily. There is speed. There is sense of urgency. My salvation is on the way that God is taking the initiative to send his salvation to all the nations. He's speaking about the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. And then the scope the nations and the islands will experience my power, my arm. They are waiting in hope for me, for my arm to come. That's a prophetic message from God that Christ, the victory, the resurrection, the power will come to us and we will experience salvation. That's what happened to me personally. You know what makes Christianity is unique is that Christianity is the only religion that God took the initiative to come down from heaven to seek and to save that which was lost. So the relationship was established because of God and through God. But all other religions, man is trying to reach God. We cannot reach God because we are sinful people. It's only the righteous God. That's why he says, my righteousness is coming speedily because he is taking the initiative. So God took the initiative to rescue me. I want to take you to a remote, rural, poor village in Ethiopia. 49 years ago, where I was born. It was a very poor community. We didn't have running water. We didn't have electricity. We didn't have any Christian. We didn't have any church. We didn't have any school. Imagine you were born in that community. It was hopeless. And because we didn't have any Christian, no church, we didn't know who God was. Every 
family, every person worshipped what they could find. Some people were worshipping trees. Some people were worshipping rocks. Some people were worshipping witch doctors, witchcrafts. And some worshipped the moon and the sun. And my dad worked for a powerful witch doctor in our area. The witch doctor had demonic power to control nature. He could command rains to come, and rains came. He could command rains to stop, and for months, rains stopped. And when he was unhappy with people, he cursed people, and people died. And my dad was one of the servants to this man, and my dad also had similar power. People feared my dad. When my dad cursed people, people died. But my dad did not only have that power, but he was under curse. There were so many instructions that were given to him by the witch doctor that he must obey. For example, my dad was required to wake up every morning at 5 o'clock and drink alcohol nonstop and smoke nonstop. And he had three wives, and he would beat up his wives almost every day. Our home was broken, hopeless, no peace, no life. There were so many types of food that we were not allowed to eat, like a milk that came from a gray cow or black and white cow. It was so complicated. We were not allowed to eat goat meat. When the meat, Food was prepared at home. We were not allowed to eat until my dad would take the first portion of the meal and would put under a coffee tree behind our house and come home and wait. And then he would go out and check if the food had disappeared. The food had disappeared means that his God was happy and we had permission to eat our meal. If the food was still there, that means his God was not happy with him and my, my dad had to sacrifice something, a chicken or a goat or a lamb. Whenever my dad missed some of those things, a terrible tragedy happened in our family that a child with no sickness would die. And because of that, from my mother, we lost four children. And from my dad's two wives, we lost four children each. A total of 12 children perished because of that oppression. When I was born, my parents did not have any hope and confidence that I would grow up. They were waiting for me to die, as any of their previous children. But I did not die. And my parents did not give me a name because they were expecting that this child would not grow. So I did not have a name until I was four. When I reached four, they gave me a name. They called me Bekele. Bekele means when you sow a seed on the ground, it's a farmer's language, and the seed germinates from the ground after a few days. That's the literal meaning of my name. Bekele means the seed is germinating. The seed is sprouting. There is hope in this child. There is life in this child. And I'm sure that, was, that name was given by God himself because he knew what was going to happen to me.
But when I reached age five, the witch doctor asked my dad, he said, now your child is growing up, I want you to train him so that when he grows up, he would serve me his entire life. And at age five, my dad started taking me wherever he went with him. So I was smoking and I was drinking alcohol at age five, you can imagine, because that was part of the commitment. We were hopeless. We were broken. We were living under spiritual darkness. And during that time, God, who said my salvation is on the way, he took the initiative to come and reach out to us. One night on Wednesday night, I was five years of age, and God, by his grace and mercy, he decided to send the two angels to come and meet my dad. Two angels came during the night. They sat in front of my dad. My dad was in his bed, and they started teaching him about God, that God created everything, the heavens and the earth. Every life comes from God. You have been created by God. And after teaching him for so many hours, finally, the angels decided to give my dad a tour of heaven and hell. Don't ask me how that happened. But my dad would tell you that he walked in the streets of heaven with those two angels. And he was taken to the gate of hell where he heard a loud scream of people saying, Please save us. And it was a dark place. After his visit, one of the angels asked my dad, I have shown you both places. Where do you want to be? And guess what? My dad says, please send me to heaven. And the angel stretched his hand, shook my dad's hand, smiled at him and said, good choice. I will send you two men. They will come and tell you how you can get into heaven. You must listen to them. Two days later, Friday night, two men who had become Christians a week before that day, God appeared to them and told them, go and meet this man called Shanko and tell him that the only way you can get into heaven is if you believe in Jesus Christ and deny the worship of witch doctor and demons. And Jesus Christ is my son who came to die on the cross for your sins, and by believing in him, your sins will be forgiven, and you will have life. And that night, by the mercy of God, my dad, my mom, my older sister, and myself, four of us, we became believers in Jesus Christ. And hope and life... God gave us beauty and hope and life and destiny and blessings and life instead of curse and death and destruction. Today, I'm standing in front of you to tell you that the gospel we preach transforms lives. And today, I'm serving Jesus Christ, our Lord, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'm alive, I'm not dead because of God's amazing grace.
and abundant life that we have in Jesus Christ. So that was Friday night, Sunday morning, two days later. Another miracle happened in my family. My father had never been to school because we didn't have a school. We raised some cattle and we had some farm. My dad took the cows and he was walking with the cows alongside the river. And as he was walking with the cows, on the ground, he finds the Holy Bible sitting. We don't know from where that Bible had come from. It's still a mystery to us. My dad picked up the book and he started opening through the pages. Obviously, he could not read anything. Then he hears a loud voice saying, this is my word. He looks around to see who was speaking to him. There was no one. He started wondering who is speaking to him. Then something in his heart said, go and sit down under the shade of a tree, which my dad did. He went and sat down under the shade of a tree. He opened the book and he started praying like this. God, was that your voice? Is this your word? I cannot read it. Can you help me? to read it. And he says, if you help me to read this book, I promise I will teach this book my whole life. And right there, my dad started reading the Bible. He came home that afternoon and he said, I want the whole village to come to my place. You remember he had power and whatever he asked, people did with fear. The whole village of about 400 men and women came up. And my dad stood up and he told them what happened to him. That on Wednesday, he, the angels appeared to him and he had a visit of heaven and hell. And Friday night, two men came and they told him about the good news that there is salvation in Jesus Christ and we became Christians. And this morning, he found this book on the, on the ground and he heard the voice and he prayed and he could read and he opened the book and he read, the, he read from the book and he said, I want all of you tonight to believe in Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God who came to die for your sins. He died for you, denied demons, denied evil spirits. Come to Jesus. And that night, brand new evangelist was born and the whole village came to Jesus Christ that night. God used my dad in an amazing way. Whenever my dad was walking, he always carried the Bible. People, like five miles to his left or right, demon-possessed people like you read in the Gospels. They would scream and say, holy fire is passing by. And people would recognize that my dad must be around the area and they would come out looking for him. He would go to that home. He would place this Bible on the sick person's head and he casts out demons and he, he invites the whole household to come to Jesus. My dad passed away about six years ago. For the rest of his life, that was about 37 years. The only book my dad could read was the Bible. If you give him any other book with the same Amharic letters in Ethiopia, he cannot show you one letter. And I gave him two books to test him out. <laughs> the Holy Bible and another book with the same letters. He cannot show you 
a single word in any other book, and I asked that, what's wrong with you? <laughs> he says, when I open the holy book, a great light, it's, a, it's like somebody is holding a bright torch on the book, and my eyes are open, and I could see everything. So for, for God, for me, is a living God, is a powerful God, is a miracle-working God. Sometimes we think God is small, God is dead, God is powerless. No, I declare this morning, God is powerful God. He's a miracle-working God. He's a life-changing God. I'm a testimony about the living power of God. If you are believing God for small things, believe God for big things because he's able to do it. If you, have never, if you have never invited Jesus Christ to your life to be your Lord and your Savior, if you have never opened up your heart to accept the gift that God sent to you, I invite you, I encourage you this morning to make that decision. Invite Jesus to come into your life. So I grew up in that family at age 12. I was preaching in the church. And at age 19, I graduated from college in Ethiopia. And then I went to work for the government in Ethiopia. I was recruited by the government because I was one of the best students in our college. Then five years later, God called me, and I was dating my, my current wife, and God called us, and we joined Campus Crusade for Christ. For the last 24 years, we have been missionaries. We lived in different countries. But I just want to share a few highlights of my journey. When I was leading the ministries of Campus Crusade in Ethiopia, God put in my heart, I was 29 years old, to reach the whole city of Addis Ababa, that's the capital of Ethiopia, in 52 days, to reach every person with the gospel. I have this uh, crazy faith in Jesus Christ, and it's good to be crazy about Jesus. <laughs> that's when he uses you in a mighty way, in a powerful way. Sometimes we limit God because of our lack of faith. But I encourage you to believe in God. So we wanted to reach the whole city of 3.1 million people in 52 days. You know, when I was reading the book of Nehemiah, I got this verse, Nehemiah 6.15, that Nehemiah completed the rebuilding of the walls in 52 days. And I said, if God used Nehemiah to build the broken walls in 52 days, he's the same God. I can trust him. So we planned. It was an amazing experience. We reached the whole city in 52 days. And we saw 49,000 people come to Jesus Christ in 52 days in the city. Amen. Glory to God. Then fast forward. I was appointed to give leadership to 23 countries, as you heard in the introduction. Southern and Eastern African countries, from South Africa to Ethiopia, including Indian Ocean Islands. And in 2002, God put uh, this burden in me to reach 50 major cities in those 23 countries, to reach 50 million people with the gospel, in 50 days, 50, 50, 50. And some people said, this can never happen. 
You are crazy. Churches will not work together. It's impossible to bring the body of Christ together. But I can tell you, it is possible. You know why? The Bible says, what is impossible to man is possible to God. And, and God says, it is impossible to please God without faith. If you have faith, God is pleased with you, and he will begin to move the mountains. So we organized. It was one of the most complex projects I have led. We established 2,000 task forces to give leadership to this project in 23 countries in 50 days. We trained half a million Christians to be involved in this campaign. And we mobilized 21,000 church congregations. 10,000 leaders were giving leadership. We developed 103 different strategies of evangelism and discipleship. It was massive. You know what happened when we gathered reports from those 50 cities? We did not only reach 50 million people with the gospel. We exceeded our plan. We reached 64.5 million people with the gospel. You know how many people prayed to receive Christ during those 50 days? 1,720,000 people prayed to receive Jesus Christ. If God could reach out to a broken, hopeless child at age five in a remote village in Ethiopia, in a poor community, and use him to influence the world with righteousness, how much more God can use you? He can use you to do extraordinary things. Don't settle for small. Don't settle for little. The God whom you follow, whom you serve, is great God. He is I am, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's a powerful God. I challenge your faith today. If your faith is too small, ask God, increase my faith. Use me, because this is the only time you have to live on planet Earth the only generation that you are allowed to live. Be crazy for Jesus Christ. Children and young people, God will use you. Trust God for something big. You are the hope for this generation. Then in 2010, my family and I were living in South Africa, giving leadership to Campus Crusade Ministries for Southeast Africa region. And I received a call from our president of Campus Crusade, Steve Douglas. And he called me, he said, uh, the Lord has led us to start a new global division as Campus Crusade to plant churches. And we have been praying for God to raise up a leader to show us a leader. And God is directing us to you. Will you move over to Orlando, Florida with your family and help establish a new department and lead that? So my wife and I prayed in 2010 for two weeks and and uh, I called Steve Douglas and I said, uh, yes, we will do that. And we started praying. And I started establishing my team. I became a, one of the vice presidents. 
And then as I was facilitating a planning meeting in Pretoria, South Africa in September 2010, a small group of people, seven of us, I said, uh, let's, let's see the whole world. Because the Bible says, for God so loved the world. The whole world means how many people are in the world. At that time, we were about 7 billion, slightly less than 7 billion. Now we are over 7 billion. Out of those 7 billion people, only about 2 billion call themselves Christians. Only God knows how many of them are real Christians. Then that leaves the entire 5 billion people who have never experienced the love of God that we have experienced. Maybe they have not heard the gospel at all. Maybe they have never heard the clear presentation of the gospel, but five billion are outside the love of God that they have not experienced. God loves them, but they have not experienced that. So I said, can we mobilize the two billion Christians to reach the five billion non-Christians? It's huge. And then how can we know if we have effectively engaged the five billion people with the gospel? If we could plant a church, a witnessing community, a fellowship, a faith community, a missional community, whatever name you give, one community, one church for every 1,000 people on the, the face of the earth, in every village, every neighborhood, every high-rise apartment, including every digital space that you could find. So that became a vision to plant additional 5 million churches. 5 billion people, a church for every 1,000, that is 5 million. Then my family and I moved to Orlando. We started sharing that vision. We trained about 2,000 Campus Crusade staff around the world to lead church planting movements. And then in 2011, one day I was praying, God, 5 million is too big. How can we do that? And God put, said, you are not my only child. I have many children. Campus Crusade is not the only organization. I have many churches and organizations that are doing the same thing. Go out and work with them. So with my team, we started going out and meeting different leaders and saying, can we work together for the glory of God? Can we all believe that God's kingdom is bigger than Wooddale Church or Campus Crusade? And we all work together to glorify Jesus and to reach the whole world with the gospel. So with that vision in 2011, we started Global Alliance for Church Multiplication with five ministries. And now as you can see on the screen, we have 65 different ministries working together, including Wooddale Church. Thank you so much. You know what has happened since we started the Alliance? We started reporting in 2010. And I have this report to tell you how many churches have been planted since 2010 as we work together, 65 ministries, 1,270,044 churches have already been planted out of the 5 million church goal. God is moving in a powerful way. 
And as Wooddale, as you partner with Campus Crusade, with the Timothy Initiative TTI, with Faith Comes by Hearing, with uh, the Jesus from Project, and with many other national churches, you are impacting the whole world. And I want to say thank you. And I love your vision of here, near, and there, far. I love that vision. Here, you need to increase your commitment. You need to pray. You need to give generously. You need to share the love of God. Here, there are about 900,000 immigrants in the Twin Cities. God has brought them with purpose. And we are the ones to embrace them and to share God's love and mercy and salvation for them. And far through collaboration with organizations, with churches, you can do great. I encourage you to pray for, for the salvation of people. You know, you can, you can add strategicness to your prayer. I'm sure many of you pray when you eat, right? You can even make that prayer strategic. I have a friend whose name is Henry Aoun, my colleague from Lebanon. Every morning he walks for 30 minutes and he prays for people by name. He says, God, I pray that you will remember a man named Muhammad this morning. Would you open his eyes to see your love and your greatness? Lord, would you remember Fatima today? And he prays by name. When Henry meets new, a new person, the first question, the first thing he asks is, what's your name? And the person says, my name is Muhammad. And Henry says, Wow, Muhammad, I have been praying for you. <laughs> I have been praying for you every day. I love you. And Muhammad says, where do you know me? How do you know me? And Henry says, I may not know you, but God knows you. And he has put your name in my heart to pray for you. And he begins, he goes on to share the love of God with Muhammad. You know, you can do that. When you... When you say grace to it, you say, God, will you remember Muhammad? Will you send your salvation to this man? You are praying for millions and millions of Muhammads around the world, not one person. You know, I did some research. Here in the U.S., there are some most popular names. The number one name in America among the girls is Emma. If you say, God, Please remember Emma. You are maybe praying for hundreds of thousands of Emmas. When you gather again to eat as a family or to pray as a fellowship, as a cell group, you can adopt a nation or two. You can say, let's pray for Indonesia. Let's pray for Somalia. You can start that today. I'm sure after this you are going for lunch. Start today. Adopt a country. Choose a country or two in your cell group, in your home. Be strategic. Be part of God's salvation plan. That God is rescuing people everywhere. If you have never gone on a short-term mission project, I encourage you to go. Your life will never be the same. And you heard those people on the video sharing about their experiences. Go on a short-term mission project. You will not die. I promise you will be back. <laughs> Yeah, go.
Because that's when you will see God in action and his love and his mercy. I know you are giving your finances. You are supporting missionaries. You are supporting church planting. Increase your giving because this is the only chance we have to give. After this life, there is no chance to give. This is the only chance. Be generous because Jesus is saving someone like me somewhere that you, not, don't, you may not know, you may have never met, but you are sending your impact and your influence throughout the world, and you are fulfilling the mission of God. Let's preach the gospel now. Let's go to the whole world. And for some of us, the whole world is in our neighborhood. And let's go with the power and authority of God. May God help you and me to live out the mission that Jesus Christ came and gave his life on the cross of Calvary. Would you rise up and we will pray together. Let's pray together. Let's bow our heads and pray together. What is God saying to you this morning? Is he speaking to you? Is he asking you to increase your commitment? Or to pray strategically? Or to go somewhere? Or to begin telling people about the love of God through Jesus Christ? Or he's asking you maybe to, to be generous in writing your checks and giving? God is asking us, to be part of his great mission. He is building his kingdom. He is building his church. Lord, I praise you for Wooddale Church. I praise you for every person who comes here and worships here. I thank you that you have saved each one of us because of your great love and because of your mercy. I thank you that you have written our names in the book of life. We have forever changed because of the precious blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross of Calvary. Lord, I thank you for the leadership of this church. I thank you for the pastors who have the same mission and purpose that Jesus came to do to fulfill here on earth. I thank you for the many, many churches that have been planted around the world because of the obedience of your people in this church. I pray, Lord, that you will continue to bless them, protect them, and use them to glorify Jesus among the nations here, near, and far. I thank you for changing my life, and I thank you for changing each one of us. And this morning, we choose to say, here I am, send me. Lord, fulfill your purpose in and through me. I want to be crazy for Jesus. I want to live for you. I want to honor you in, in, in my life. And thank you for hearing our prayers and our expressions of our hearts this morning. In Jesus' precious, perfect, holy name I pray. And all of us say, Amen. And before you go, just a couple of things. If after hearing Bekele's story, 
you don't know Christ personally, we would love to have an opportunity to share with you how you can know him. And Pastor Vicki will be here at the front and our prayer partners speak to any of us. We'd be happy to share how you can know that same power. Second thing is after you hear Michaela's story, remind you of who God is. That should change our prayers. If we really believe who God is, our prayers should just be so different, right? So filled with faith. Let's pray for our brother. Lord, thank you for Michaela. I just continue to ask you to keep your hand on his life and to use him here, near, far for the glory of God. Protect his family. Father, keep them uh, from evil. Lord, make a straight way for them. God, we thank you. We give you glory for what you did in his dad's life, of saving a whole village and impacting a whole area. We give you glory in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. Dismissed.